Welcome to another worldwide podcast of the decline and fall of America. I am your podcast host, Charles Factor, and today we have a fascinating subject. I hope you find it as interesting as I do. We are going to be talking about the decline and collapse of the birth rate, the inability of Americans to reproduce, and what that means for our country, what it means for our society, and why it might be happening. So from the Foggy Mountain Studios, looking out upon the great misty beyond, I welcome you to this podcast. Now, it's well known that the birth rate in the United States and around the world is in rapid decline. So the question is, how quickly is the birth rate declining? And what does this mean if we can't reproduce the number of humans on the planet? What does a declining population mean? And in particular, what does a declining population mean for the United States of America? So I'm going to be examining this topic through the lens of an article that recently appeared in the PRB. And the PRB is an interesting publication. It's all about population. And it has different statistics and articles. And this one appeared not too long ago. So let me read parts of it to you from the PRB. And let's discuss it afterwards. Quote, American women averaged more than seven children each until the early decades of the 19th century. After 1900, average fertility declined gradually, interrupted only by a baby boom following World War II. And then another drop in the total fertility rate, which is known as the TFR, came in the 1970s, due in large part to delayed marriages, widespread contraceptive use, changes in abortion laws. The total fertility rate is the average number of children that a woman could have in her lifetime based on childbearing rates of women in a population in a given year. So, for example, in 2020, the U.S. TFR, total fertility rate, dropped to 1.64, the lowest level ever recorded, unquote. Let me read that to you again. Because for every two adults in the United States right, in a marriage or a relationship, they are only having 1.64 children, meaning we're not replacing ourselves anymore. So here's what it says. Quote, in 2020, the U.S. TFR, total fertility rate, dropped to 1.64, the lowest level ever recorded. Historically, fertility rates in the United States have dropped temporarily during periods of economic decline, such as the Great Depression of the 1930s and the 1970s oil shocks. Such drops have typically lasted two to five years, affecting the timing of fertility, but not the overall number of children that a woman would have had in her lifetime. But then, in the decade following the 2008 Great Recession, fertility rates continued to fall, with the exception of 2013 to 2014, when they increased only slightly. And between 2007 and 2020, the TFR, total fertility rate, in the United States declined from 2.12 to 
the decline signals a long-term drop in lifetime fertility shaped by broader social factors, including postponement of marriage and postponing childbearing to older ages, and long-term increases in women's educational attainment and labor force participation. And although most American women say they expect to have at least two children, many women now delay childbearing, whether by choice or by circumstance, to the point that they may not end up having that number. They may only end up having only one child or no children at all. In fact, 15% of U.S. women ages 40 to 44 in 2018 were childless. In 2011 to 2015, among American women ages 15 to 44, 20% had two children, 17% had one child, 18% have three or more children, and 45% don't have any children at all. What accounts for these differences? Most predictable and obvious fertility differential is age. So for example, in 2011 to 2015, 83% of women ages 15 to 24 have not had any children, compared with only 15% of women ages 40 to 44. But education, race, religion, and many other social, economic, and cultural factors also influence childbearing. And while modern technology has expanded the age span in which women can have children, few women give birth before the age of 15 or after the age of 50. Birth rates by the age of the mother follows the same general pattern in most societies, regardless of overall fertility levels. Rates are low for women in their teens, peak for women in their 20s or early 30s, and they decline thereafter. By comparisons of age-specific rates in different countries, reveals significant variations. Similar trends are occurring in many of the world's wealthiest countries. In South Korea, the birth rate peaked among women in the early 30s, but in low-income countries, with higher fertility rates such as Mali, where the estimated total fertility rate is an estimated 6.3 children per woman in 2018, rates typically peak among women in their early 20s and are higher for every woman of every age. And during the 60s and 1970s, postponement of childbearing resulted in steep drops in the birth rate among American women ages 20 to 24. And after 1975, the U.S. birth rates rose for women in their 30s as older mothers had the children that they had postponed earlier in life. But today, the U.S. birth rates are highest for women in the age groups of 25 to 29 and from 30 to 34. The birth rate for women aged 40 to 44 is lower in the United States today than it was during the baby boom years of the 50s and early 60s. However, the birth rate for women ages 40 to 44 has risen continuously. Since 1985, since they are delaying childbearing at younger ages, and the higher birth rates at older ages during the baby boom largely reflected women having third, fourth, or higher order births rather than first or second births. Teen births have remained relatively low in the 70s and 80s, and despite large increases in the proportion of teenagers who are sexually active, but the teen birth rate edged up around 1990, but by 2020, the increases in contraceptive use and the leveling of the share of teens who are sexually active reduced the teen birth rate to 15.3. It's the lowest level ever recorded in the United States. And education and income also play a significant role in fertility. In nearly every contemporary society, people who are more educated 
and have higher incomes have fewer children than those who are less educated and have lower incomes. So in 2017, U.S. women age 25 or older with an advanced degree had an average of 1.8 children compared with 2.25 children for women with a high school diploma and 2.7 children for women without a high school diploma at all. So let's discuss this. We have a collapse in the fertility and birth rates in the United States. Two adults are only having 1.6 children to replace them. Educated women are having fewer children than uneducated women. Wealthy and successful women are having fewer children than poor and unsuccessful women. And education levels determine, essentially, the number of children that people are having. The higher educated women are having fewer children. So what does this mean, demographically, for the health, well-being, and the success of a nation? Well, we aren't replacing, Americans aren't replacing, the number of children that they have. Two adults having 1.6 children, that's declining population. Well, then why is the number of Americans increasing? Simply put, it's immigration. Every year, the United States takes one million legal immigrants, the most of any nation on the planet. So one million people legally apply. They tend to be well-educated, successful. They go through the system. They apply through both their government and our government. They have to jump through a whole lot of hurdles, and they tend to be richer and educated and successful, and one million of those people get in every year legally. But then we have the 20 million illegals that have walked across our open and undefended borders over the last two decades. 20 million illegals. They tend to be poorly educated. They tend to be illiterate. They tend to be very poor. They don't speak English. A lot of them have criminal records. The ICE, which is the deportation agency in the United States, says the average immigrant that's deported has four criminal convictions. A lot of them come from mental institutions in Central South America and Mexico. A lot of them are, have just been released from prisons down there. A lot of them are unemployed. A lot of them are welfare dependent. A lot of them are disabled. Some are elderly. A lot of them are drug addicted and alcoholic. A lot of them are prostitutes. These are the people, the 20 million people, not all, but a lot of them that have walked across our border. And as it so happens, so many, 20 million have walked across our border And because they're poor and uneducated, they tend to have more children than educated Americans. So what has increased our population over the last couple decades? It's immigration, mostly illegal immigration, and not of the good kind. We're not getting the successful people. Listen, if you're a doctor, a dentist, and you live in Mexico or Guatemala or El Salvador, or you're a farmer, a successful farmer down there, or you own a factory or you're a business person with a successful business, or you pave roads down there and you're successful that way, or you're in their oil industries, which are massive in Mexico, or you work in their tourist industry and you own hotels or restaurants, and you're successful in Mexico or Guatemala or Salvador or any of those countries down there, you're not coming here. You might come here legally. They do that. But illegally, you're not walking across the border. That's not going to happen. So we're not getting the successful people coming as legal immigrants. They're coming as, well, they're coming as legal immigrants, the successful ones. But since we're being swamped by illegal immigrants, those are the ones that are coming. And those are the ones that are reproducing, paid for by Americans. 
right? Government says that 10 years after immigrating, the average immigrant, 75% of them are still on welfare. Let me repeat that. The federal government says 10 years after they have immigrated to the United States, the average immigrant, 75% of them, are on welfare, government dependency. There's this myth that you hear people repeat, oh, immigration makes us stronger. Well, it is true that legal immigration makes us stronger, but illegal immigration unquestionably makes us weaker. It brings drugs, prostitution, and and in this case, lots and lots and lots of poor, uneducated children that we're paying for. So we have this odd scenario where the average American, particularly the average American female, works hard, pays her taxes, becomes educated, goes to college. And then what happens? Well, she only has 1.6 children, but she is paying to support the immigrant family that comes here illegally who has 7, 8, 9, 10 children, oftentimes with 7, 8, 9, 10 different fathers. So you may ask, well, are there any other causes? Well, I think so. On a different podcast, we'll hear about the STD rate, the sexually transmitted disease rate in the United States, and how it is at record highs, which causes infertility in many cases. So it isn't the case that a lot of women who want kids, uh, you know, they simply don't have kids. That does happen. But there's also a situation where a lot of women want children and men want children, but they cannot because they become infertile due to tens of millions of Americans now having sexually transmitted diseases, which have caused infertility. On top of that, you know, for hundreds of thousands of years, human beings reproduced at puberty, right? 12, 13 years old, they started having kids, right? Women became fertile, started menstruating, and they were pregnant a year or two later. Of course, the average life expectancy might have been 25 or 30 years old until 1900. So people didn't live very long. A lot of people died in childbirth. But back then, as you heard from the article I read, the average woman was having over seven children back then. And now it's 1.6. So for hundreds of thousands of years, women started having children at 12, 13, 14, ages of maximum fertility, youth, healthfulness, that kind of a thing. But things changed. Around 1900 in this country and around the world, we started mandatory public schooling. And we said to women in general and to men, you got to go to public school. You got to go all the way K through 12. This was a new thing for humanity. It's free. It's public, paid by the government. It's going to make us a more educated society, perhaps more productive, more advanced. And so we told people, try not to get pregnant until you're out of at least high school, right? 18 years old, 12th grade. And so women started to delay childbirth. And then for a significant portion of our population, specifically the smarter ones, the more educated ones, the more motivated ones, we had an undergraduate, right? We said, okay, go for four years. And after K through 12, go for four years of undergraduate college. And now 35, 40, 50% of the women do exactly just that. And we tell them, hey, until you're done with college at age 22, try not to get pregnant. Well, this is a new thing. This just started in the 60s for most women, right? So all of a sudden, large number of women are now delaying childbirth till age 22. Well, now for educated women, an undergrad degree oftentimes is not enough to be competitive, to make a living, to be a member of the middle class or the upper class. They're going to graduate school. So 20, 25% of American women now go to graduate school. And we ask them, you know, for another three or four years, don't get pregnant until you're 26 or 27. But what's on the flip side of all this, all this delaying of childbearing? 
Well, the longer you delay it, the fewer children you're going to have, right? It takes six months on average to get pregnant. A lot of pregnancies, about one third of pregnancies end in miscarriage. Average pregnancy is nine months long. So if you start having kids at 27, 28, or 29, or even 30, you're probably not going to have four or five kids. You might have two or three kids, but most women are having one or two kids, which then explains the 1.6 number, which is average now in the United States. So perhaps it's because of educational advancements for women. Perhaps it's because of sexually transmitted diseases. Perhaps it's because of the availability of contraception. And there's a lot of women now, they don't want to have kids. They want to party. They want to have fun. They want to travel the world. They want to eat at nice restaurants. Men too. Men too. They, they don't want to have kids. They don't want to have to pay for it. They don't want the burden of it. They don't want the obligations. They don't want the responsibilities. We'll talk about that in a future podcast. So what does this mean for America? Well, is it possible that if you keep having large numbers of poor, uneducated people that are not as successful, having larger numbers of kids, while your successful, more educated people are having fewer numbers of children, which is exactly what this article just pointed out. So if, if that's what's happening, and it is happening, right, in the United States, educated women having fewer children, uneducated women, particularly illegal immigrants, having many children, what does that do for a society over the long run? If you, if you are breeding, reproducing, your least successful people, the most, and you are not reproducing the most successful, best educated, wealthiest people, though they are reproducing the least, and you do that for two or three or four generations, well, does it spell catastrophe demographically for a country? Would the average IQ for the nation decline? Would the average productivity decline? Would people not be as intelligent overall, not as successful overall? not as motivated overall? Would we become a society that becomes poorer, less educated, less competent? Is that what is happening in America? You know, they ask Americans, do you think the country's going in the right direction? 75% say, no, it isn't. Is this part of that? Have we seen a collapse of the birth rate in the United States because we have a government that spends trillions and trillions of dollars bombing every damn country around the world, getting involved in foreign war after foreign war where we have no national interest, spending trillions and trillions of dollars on that, but no money on childcare for young children. So if women want to work and have children, how do they do it? They can't afford the childcare. It's a couple thousand dollars a month now per child. So if a woman works after taxes and childcare, she doesn't make anything. So our government which goes around the world. I watch our leaders do this every week. They travel to different countries and give away billions and billions and billions of our dollars. Sometimes it's humanitarian and sometimes it's military, but it's always our politicians of both of our corrupt political parties, both of our crappy political parties traveling around the world giving away our money. But they don't spend it here at home, do they? Our own people don't have childcare. They can't afford to have children. So even if they wanted to have children... And even if they were fertile, how would they afford it? If you have two or three kids and it's two grand a month for childcare, why, you know, that's four to $6,000 a month just for childcare. And then you take your taxes out. 
the women and the men would be working for free. Maybe this nation has made it unaffordable to have children. And that's why people aren't having them. Some can't because they're infertile. Some can't because they've delayed it and infertility increases with age. So they've delayed children until their 30s and 40s and then they can't get pregnant because they're no longer as fertile as they once were. And some people simply cannot afford the cost of childcare. But the women that don't work, especially the illegal immigrants that walk across our open border, 20 million of them, well, those women, if they don't work and if they don't have a job and if they're on welfare, as the government says they are, for the first 10 years they are here, 75% are on welfare of one form or another. Well, they're not burdened by childcare costs because they're not working. And if they're not working, well, who's paying for their medical care when they show up in the emergency room? Who's paying for their food? Who's paying for their housing? Who's paying for their clothing? It's Americans. It's you and I. It's everybody else. So that's the system we currently have in the United States. And I'm not saying you need to like it or hate it. I'm not saying you need to pass any kind of value judgment on it. But that's the system we have, and that's why Americans, two Americans are only having 1.6 children. And the least successful of us are reproducing the most. And it's being paid for by the most successful people. What does that mean for the decline and fall of America? Well, I thank you for joining me today on this worldwide podcast from the Foggy Mountain Studios. I am your podcast host, Charles Factor, hoping that you have a great day.